Hey there, it's Ben. This is a really interesting episode talking about the choices that GMs make and the way that you can make those choices matter to players. I look forward to the discussions and tales that will be told to us on Discord, on Twitter, and on Facebook, because this topic is amazing at bringing those out. And if you want, you can get a peek at the outtakes from this on the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Heinean way. Given first to our backers. Thank you, and now on to the show. I lean up against the wall in the galley. <sighs> the group of mysterious strangers in robes who we agreed to transport for quite a bit of credits, are all huddled around the table, as they have been for hours, arguing. They can't seem to make a decision for all the spice on Kessel. I could have sworn that they said that they didn't want any Imperial entanglements, and that they trusted our timing to know when the Empire was supposed to show up. Alright, people, it's time to get ready for a new tale from the Hydean Way. We're your hosts, Ben Yendel. And Risa D. One of the trickiest things I've run into dealing with the FFG system is conflict. Due to various reasons, I just went looking through all of the episodes of Tales and take a wild guess what episode one is about. <laughs> it's about conflict. Cam and I were talking about it in regards to the beta way back when. Now we've got a semi-mature system and we've got these three hooks within the different lines. Way back when, it was hard to tell what the heck they meant by lines, but now it really has come into fruition. The lines really have come to, you've got the edge of the Empire stuff with obligation, running from things, running to things, dealing with the world's out to get you. You've got Age of Rebellion, and this is the epic, the epic rebellion against the Empire fighting. Maybe even getting into, like, ground combat and that sort of thing. Then you've got Force and Destiny, which... It's the one that really gets sticky for so many people. It's the one where like, you just absolutely have to have that session zero about this is what we're wanting as a Force and Destiny campaign. The biggest sort of stumbling block with it is the morality system and conflict. This comes out of me seeing a wall back and knowing the Tales effect. <laughs> It'll be coming up right around the time that this comes out, too, whenever it does. But it's one of those cyclical things. Yes, conflict is cyclical. Yeah. That is such a horrible joke. So many people don't like using the system or they modify it to their own likes. And it makes so much sense to do that because it's, well, what, what's at your table? Yeah. I think it's also hard to understand at first. It's not written in a super clear way, in my opinion. The first few times we used conflict and morality, we didn't use it correctly at all. <laughs> we were not using it correctly. First of all, we just didn't get what you were supposed to be doing with it. <laughs> so we, we were just like, I don't know, take off to morality. I don't know. You did some, that was bad thing that you did, take off to morality. Like, that's kind of how it ended up happening the first time we were running something with Force users. Because we read the rules, and we were just like, this doesn't, I don't understand what we're supposed to be doing here. <laughs> that 
really sounds like my first time running it too. <laughs> it's like, all right. And then looking back through the episodes of Tales, yeah, there's several times where it's like, you know, what I was thinking and what my players were thinking didn't quite align. And there was this kind of to do meta wise and like that in the end mechanically should have worked out to several instances of conflict and high amounts of conflict because everyone's torn about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. The biggest complaint that I've always seen about the morality system is, well, at the end of a session, you're always rolling that D10. Yeah. And if you do nothing... You're always going to raise your morality. Exactly. And that is the most common complaint. That's then how we, as a table, started doing things is then, sure, if you're doing nothing, that's how it's happening. So what you have to then do as the GM, and my GM was doing really well (laughs) with this, is give you choices where doing nothing is what generates the conflict. Mm -hmm. Because we had some people who were just doing that, who were just like, yeah, well, if I just don't do anything, then I can't generate conflict. Yeah, but if you don't do anything in certain (laughs) cases, that's what's going to generate the conflict. If you don't help the person, if you don't stop the thing from happening, that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, we also had someone, one one of our players, she wanted her character to go to the dark side. She, she, that was her, in her brain, that's what she wanted to happen with her character. She had this whole story planned out for him. (laughs) Okay. But to do so, she had to generate conflict at a very high amount, right? Mm -hmm. So if at the end of a session, like we're getting towards the end of like tail end of a session and she's like, oh no, I've only generated five conflicts this session. She goes, well, then I need to start generating more conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she starts doing things just to generate conflict. And that's a that's kind of a not a great thing for the system. And like, sure, that's kind of on her as well. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're kind of just gaming the system at that point. You shouldn't be doing that. But at the same time, the system's kind of broken if that's what you have to do to try. Cause like to go on to the dark side. <laughs> That's kind of the thing. It's like the fall to the dark side end. If that's a story that you're attempting to do, then that's the reason why Session Zero is so important with this system is the GM has to be helping. Yeah. If you're not being given opportunities, then you're looking for every Lothcat and Puffer pig to kick. Yeah. Like, at some point, it turns into a Old Republic-style duality. Where you either have doing something that is marginally okay, or you have to go out of your way to burn down an orphanage. Yeah. If you're wanting to do something good for actually being good, then you're also not really having to worry about the conflict, which also just doesn't quite feel right to me. Yeah. It also feels like a system where it's all about negative reinforcement instead of positive reinforcement, (laughs) and that... Like, feels very Star Wars, to be honest. Like, to be yeah, fair. fair. That, that is pretty Star Wars, to be all about negative reinforcement. But at the same time, as a player, it's like, it's like every time you do something bad, it's like, oh, well, that generated conflict, write that down. But every time you do something good, there's no, like, opposite to that. There's no, like, oh, just take away that conflict. There's nothing like that that you can do. And it's like, yes, at the end of every session, you're still rolling that D10, and you're, you know, subtracting and all that stuff. So you're usually going to go up anyway. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't feel as rewarding as actually like, I did something really good. I should like get a reward for that. 
And I know at the same time, it's like you shouldn't. You should be doing something good to do something good. But at the same time, it just kind of starts feeling like, ugh, I don't know. The system itself kind of feels like as a GM, I'm supposed to be punishing my players for showing up at the table. Yeah. And there's also the fact that, I don't know, is it actually, is there an actual table that tells you what generates conflict or was that a fan-made thing? There is a table. Okay. The problem with it is that it's a core book table. So if yeah. it's one of those tables that think of the combat table. It has like five options on it. Yeah. The conflict table in Force and Destiny Core is so tiny. Yeah. In all seriousness, they could have done three pages on it and it'd still be too small. Like you would have had a better idea of what is there. It just starts happening like at our table. This has been a discussion many, many times Mm -hmm. of what is conflict. Is there an objective conflict or is it subjective? Because to each character, there is a different level of what is good and bad based on where they're from and their upbringing. So there's this having it be and and as well as a different a situation calls for different ways of tackling it. Whereas the system is very it's yes or no. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have room for gray areas, and that's something that's also we we had many arguments at the table of well why did I generate conflict for that in my world? <laughs> yeah, and we, then we start getting into the moral relativism. Yeah, I mean. That's kind of where it is. And it, it, there, there's things of, well, yes, I killed that person, but I killed that person to save these other people or something like that. And it's like, yes, but killing someone not completely in self-defense generates conflict. And it's like, well, maybe I wasn't being threatened, but the killing of that person meant this. And so there's this whole discussion. And now it's like 20 minutes later and we're all still stuck in this hallway. And... <laughs> And at some point, how many of those ready train cars do we have to divert? Exactly. It's it's literally just the trolley problem with all of these things. And it just becomes, it's, it's a very interesting situation. Morality. <laughs> Morality and conflict. <laughs> you saying that then gets me thinking about the one person I'm really looking forward to when Heroes eventually gets around to Chronicles of the Gatekeeper. <laughs> And yeah, whatever, whenever. I can tell that there's going to essentially be two session zeros. There's going to be like the character building, all that sort of stuff. There's also going to be a session zero about, okay, how are we handling conflict in this? Because especially with a designer on board, that'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's also like what's interesting in the story. Like how if your character is just running around randomly killing people, Okay, how is this? Yeah. Like, even not just randomly. Okay, there's a reason to kill this person. Why are you killing this person and not just wounding them? Yeah. Like, and that's, that starts to become the question of it. In this, it really feels like to me in the morality system, one kind of following like what you're talking about of, trying to implement gray areas. Like, sure, there's this tiny, tiny table. It's got like 10 lines tops. Yeah. Of, okay, stealing from someone is three, killing a stormtrooper is one, and murdering someone, which apparently isn't the same as taking out a stormtrooper, is 10. And the way that it's kind of worded, depending on how you're wanting to rules lawyer, it could imply 
that nothing could ever be worse than 10 conflict yeah. per action. So if you're wanting to do the fall to the dark side stuff, that becomes really hard. Yeah. Then you're looking at slow corruption and that sort of stuff. Kind of wonder how a edge group would handle oh, being on a morality system. Uh, uh, mm, yeah. Not well. <laughs> Not well at all. For the most part. Seeing as how... I feel like we started getting into motives. <laughs> mm. Since everyone was very... It always felt like we were getting into a philosophy class. <laughs> Our one actual just full out just force and destiny campaign because that that all the others were mixed like okay. some people were doing something some people were doing the other one but this was our just force and destiny campaign we started doing things about like motives and intentions about things as well mm -hmm. so it started being like if you were lying to someone about certain things we would start gaining conflict if it was for like. Because, first of all, my character, I was just, like, going full light side paragon. Because, okay. of course, I was. You know, that's me. Because I was like, <laughs> if I can get us an extra light side point every time. <laughs> because that's who I am. Especially since then, our other character was like, and then I flip it to the dark side. Well, the GM would like it. Because that's how low she was. We were doing that. And so, we were having to start doing, like, shades of gray and stuff like that. So, it's like... Okay, you were lying for self-gain. Take a conflict. <laughs> you cheated at gambling. Take a conflict. But you lied to protect all of, you know, the caravan of people that you're smuggling. You don't have to take a conflict. Stuff like that. It has to do with the motives of your actions. That's an interesting way of doing it. I liked that better because it took into account because why would I get conflict for doing something that in the situation is the right thing to do? Which that's how it starts feeling like you're being punished for doing the right thing. So lying to a stormtrooper to smuggle out a bunch of prisoners. Why would I get a conflict for doing something like that? Or, you know, killing a stormtrooper because they're about to like kill a civilian. If I'm protecting the civilian, why would I have to take a conflict from that? That was always like my, that was our thing. Whereas if it's like I'm trying to sneak past all the stormtroopers, killing them would definitely generate conflict and it would take more conflict than just the one that it would normally be. Or was it three or something like that? I don't remember. I do not have it in front of me, yeah. It's something like, it's something much smaller than a real person, apparently. Yeah. Stormtroopers aren't people, apparently. I mean, they're descended from clone troopers, so. That's true. Some of them are. So <laughs> it's just like, ooh. But to be fair, it's like they're the enemy, still. I mean, they are part of the Empire, so. Yeah, but it's, see? But it's still, it's hard. And it's not nothing. Yeah, yeah, true. But it's still... It, it's like, if you could have snuck past them, if you kill them, of course, that, that should give you more conflict when you could have just incapacitated them. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose to do that when you could have done it without violence? Why did you do that instead of just lying to them? Why did you do that instead of just charming them? You know, something like that. It helps there. It at least helps guide your force using players away from just using their lightsabers in every situation. Because obviously that's a problem. Because you get a lightsaber in your hands and you go, wow, this sure is cool. 
Yeah, you get the lightsaber, and then all of a sudden you're chopping off limbs and going through stormtroopers. and uh... Pretty much. I think at one point, one of my my pl- fellow players said, I'm going to de-arm this person. And we went, don't you mean disarm? And he went, nope. Uh- <laughs> Thus gaining two extra conflict for yes. the attack. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. He gained a lot of conflict <laughs> in that party. See, I'm generally behind what you're saying. It's been a while since I've actually run a Force and Destiny campaign. Yeah. So I've just sort of been pondering this, especially with the mild thinking of what's coming ahead, what do I want to play next with my Thursday night group and all that sort of stuff. Like one thing, especially around the conflict and rolling the die and that sort of stuff, is like almost all this kind of has to become house rules because it's what works at your table. Yeah, definitely. If you're wanting to run a group that's just running around lopping stormtroopers in half, and that's your table. If you want to do that, go right ahead. It's not the kind of game that I'm wanting to run, but also, if I were to run it to try and do more edge style, which is kind of what I'm looking for, is these are people who have a innate built-in empathy. Like, they can't really shut it off. Of what's going on around them. I mean, blow up a planet, fall down kind of thing. At least if we go by A New Hope. Alderaan goes kaboom, and even in hyperspace, which is kind of a different dimension, there's Obi-Wan Kenobi falling into a chair because of what just happened. Yeah. All the things that hurt going on in the galaxy do sort of create this background noise to these people. And then what their actions do seem to have this effect. I think that's definitely true, especially you can take advantage of if your players have like force sense and stuff. Especially in the case of force sense or any of the force C's, foresight, mm-hmm. any of those. Like yeah. seriously, thesaurus man. The one house rule that I'm going to at least propose to any of my tables is if you don't have one conflict... Which, getting one conflict is easy. It's almost harder not to get a conflict, especially if the GM is creating the questions correctly. Yeah. And by correctly, I mean actually making a choice instead of the, do I kick the puppy? Do I pet the puppy? (laughs) It almost is the Bioware level of morality. Yeah. I just remember with the Old Republic coming out, there was a quote floating around of trying to come up with essentially variations of what to do if you were a dark side user because of course we had to have the horde being bad guys oh sorry the sith (laughs) we're not playing a video game so everyone's gonna have their own ways of solving this and a lot of what you were talking about risa is kind of what i envision a working system would create the one thing that i would sort of toss forward is you don't get to roll the dice if you don't have a conflict if you're not engaging with it why should you go up it depends because if they did something like save an entire planet full of people in that session and they didn't generate conflict in doing that i feel it's completely fine for them to have their morality go up because they did something in that session that would raise their morality right okay yeah because if you did some great work of good right? And you somehow did it without generating a single point of conflict. Like, sure, somehow. That would take some very careful planning, which it's possible. 
it's possible to do because I did that several times. <laughs> I feel like in that kind of case, it's still in engaging with having to make the choices. It's just making the choices and choosing something. It's like if you presented them with a choice and what you and the GM thought, if they choose this thing, it's going to be three conflict. If they choose this thing, it's going to be one conflict. But they come up with an idea that generates no conflict, then I feel like, you know what? Your score should go up. That makes more sense than what I was talking about. Yes. I just feel like as long as you as the GM are creating choices, you have to, as the GM, create situations, at least a couple situations in in your session that will generate conflict. That in your brain, the options that you are giving them will generate conflict or more conflict, right? Right. That way, their choices are do the less evil or the more evil, right? Those right. are their choices. That's the kind of morality choice of, you know, the trolley problem. <laughs> do I divert it and kill one man to save five people, right? That's the one conflict versus the five conflict, whatever you're doing, right? Right. But if you give them that, if you are the one providing that to them and they somehow come up with an idea that avoids the conflict, they're still engaging. They're engaging in the system unless they're trying to find some loophole around it. And then it's like, come on, dudes. <laughs> I feel like they should be rewarded for that. Okay. First off, I am in 100% agreement with you. <laughs> but I'm also kind of wanting to unpack what the heck you just said because there's two or three assumptions there that I'm not entirely certain that everyone would get and it's taken me a lot of navel gazing to come to the same place that you just articulated well okay first off is in that situation what is the gm's job the gm's job is to create a situation where there are choices that causes your player to have to make a moral choice so with force users they have to consider morality just in their story, right? They have to consider it with this power and with balancing dark side, light side, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So as the GM in the story that you're creating for them, you have to to fully engage with them in, in this universe and have them fully engage with the force as it is. You need to give them opportunities to engage with the force and engage with how they are interacting with it and how they use it and how they interact with the universe around them. I have to make sure that I'm giving them choices where I'm, I'm like at least plotting out several times in an episode. I give them, you guys have to go through this hallway where there are going to be stormtroopers to get to the other end of the hallway, right? That okay. right there is a moral choice, but I'm not putting it out there as it's a moral choice. However, they can do either. They can try to get around them by doing something like lying to them, mm -hmm. right? That would generate some conflict, not as much. They could do it yeah. by incapacitating them. That's some violence. That's a little more conflict. Or they could outright kill them. And that generates the most amount of conflict in this situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving them a situation where they have to look at it and consider all of the options around them and find the right choice for them as players and their characters. Because like Obi-Wan would try to do it Right, He would incapacitate them or try to just talk his way through them. That would be how he would get through it. Whereas Anakin, towards like 
<laughs> the end of the prequels, or as Darth Vader, he would just kill them, right? Yeah. That's how we see two ways could be done in that situation. Okay, you bring up Obi-Wan, and I'm there's two different ways that Obi-Wan sort of deals with things. Mm-hmm. Prequels and most Eisley. Yeah. And I'd actually go with the most Eisley version being a bit more conflicting, or at oh, least definitely. Already should. And in case no one's quite tracking where I'm at, is if he's just using a quick turn of the phrase and allowing people to essentially snowing someone over, it's almost literally conning them. Yeah. Like, lying. Okay, yeah, sure. Lying to someone maybe gets you a conflict. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you're doing it, and if you're one of these, it's only, oh, I'm telling them half-truths and I'm ignoring things, I still might give a conflict, I may not. But if it's entirely verbal, probably less conflict. If I'm going in with the car scene in mm. A New Hope, mm-hmm. and it's, these are not the droids you're looking for, proceed on your way kind of thing, that would be giving maybe not a huge amount more, maybe like three, four conflict, but it's still messing with someone's mind. Yeah. That's still a fairly invasive thing. Definitely. I feel like using the force on other people always should generate more conflict than using a skill. So charming someone or deceiving someone, I'll use deceiving as a specifically because that can, that'll generate conflict. Deceiving someone into doing something for you should generate one or two conflict, right? Depending on your motives behind it. Yeah. Whereas using force influence on someone is definitely somewhere a lot further, more like four or five, because what you're doing is you're forcing yourself onto them. And that's such a worse thing to do. (laughs) Yep. And that's how we've always played it, pretty much, is that using force influence is definitely, that creates conflict. Because no matter what your motive of doing that is, it's the same thing as incapacitating someone as well, right? It's that same kind of like, doesn't really matter what your motive is there, you're still doing it. I'm pretty behind that. I definitely agree. A New Hope Obi-Wan is way further, (laughs) way lower in morality. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) One could argue that he is working his way back from probably, like, just on the edge of falling to the dark side himself. Yeah. Because I'm going with it pretty much could have been two Sith fighting on Mustafar. Yeah. There are very few Force powers that will say, if you use this power, you will get a conflict. Unleash and Harm are both the only two that specifically say you gain conflict every time you use them. There might be one or two newer ones. Oh, yeah, I haven't. But basically in the same kind of vein. Because it isn't just, oh, I'm using Unleash and throwing fireballs and lightning and every time I do that, I'm getting conflict. That isn't what you're doing. It's very specific uses of them. Yeah. Even Heal Harm, it's a very, very... Very specific use. Essentially raising the dead that creates conflict. Yeah. Or a guaranteed conflict. Yeah. And even then, it's not all that much. No, it doesn't. It's not. Which is (laughs) interesting. Whereas there are many powers I feel like should. In that case, I would actually go back to something you had said earlier. Of it's the intent behind the use. Yeah. It isn't necessarily that, hey, I'm doing the force lightning thing that isn't necessarily because I have turned to the dark side and thus am cackling with 
lightning adjusted features. It may be something of the energy that I have absorbed because of my protect is now needing to go somewhere and it sloughs off in this cackle of lightning. Yeah. I think what you just said of the power I just absorbed is where I was about to go. When you roll the force dice and you mm -hmm. generate the pips has a lot to do because if you do take, if you use the dark pips that are generated, the dark side pips, you, you do take conflict for those. And yeah. that's something I do enjoy. I like that about conflict. Because at our table, at least, what we do is we we narrate then mm -hmm. why we're using the dark side in our power for something like, let's say it was like force move, because the, all the other ones I was coming up with, you literally can't. I was like, heal. No, you're not allowed to use dark side for heal. <laughs> but you're using like move and yeah. you're trying to move something, but you can't. It, but you use the dark side instead and you what you're doing is you're you're tapping into your frustration or you're tapping into your anger at the situation and, and you're moving it. You're tapping into your your terror. You're so scared at what's going on right now that you're tapping into the dark side and you're you're moving something to do it. Like that's what we like to do for that. And I really I do enjoy that. That you have to take conflict when you're using that. Or if you're in the mm -hmm. dark side, you have to take conflict if you're using light side points no you just take strain Never yeah. mind. i got confused it's fine <laughs> it's been a little while fair enough and also like in the same 30 seconds is the correction so yeah yeah <laughs> i mean heck we've done episodes before corrections so yeah speaking of corrections okay two tiny corrections since i now have things in front of me okay one i apparently was thinking of heal harm when okay. I said it's really hard to gain conflict in it because you've got like one or two things. Yeah. And that's actually pretty true on account of, well, kind of. If you're doing the harm portion, you're gaining a conflict. On the yeah. other hand, I repeat, you're gaining a singular conflict. Yeah. If this is the only conflict that you're gaining in the entire session, you have a 90% chance of nullifying it. On account of zeros on that die or zero, dang nabbit. I've run into weird instances. What can I say? <laughs> there is another talent that, again, increases one conflict for using it. If you are... Oh, if you're essentially using the vampiric version of it. I damage you and heal myself. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah the, oh, I have now gained two conflict for that. And then the one I was thinking about is once per session, when a power kills a target, may restore one engaged character who died this encounter to life. Each <laughs> character gains seven conflict. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like it should be a little more. Yeah, a little. Since killing someone. Well, that doesn't say anything about the killing, which would oh, be okay. a conflict on top of that. That's true. So you could, in, in theory, gain 17 conflict. From just doing that one thing. Yeah. Depending on who you killed. Because if it's a stormtrooper, then it's just 10 conflict. <laughs> of course. Sorry. <laughs> the other hand, really, is that enough to bring someone back? No. I mean, if they're not worth full conflict. <laughs> All right. And the other one is Protect Unleash, which I was also wanting to clarify that, yes, 
using Unleash, you'd get a conflict, which, yeah. considering what you are doing, it, <laughs> even if you are doing sort of this cold thing, you are still rending the force into doing a physical attack on someone. Yeah. Having the back and forth about, and actually having the characters have an inner life and inner conflict about this, and thus showing this a bit more on the table is kind of what the system is about. Yeah. I mean, heck, even bind can be used to kill someone. Actually, bind is a disturbing one. Bind should always generate conflict, in my opinion. Like, if it's on a person. Depending on how it's used. Like, restraining a person using the force, I feel, should always generate at least one conflict. Because you are using the force to exert, like, force upon someone else. Like, that feels like that should always generate a conflict. Using the force on someone else. Like, to me. Like... <laughs> my sole caveat to that, in my opinion on it, is anytime you use a force on someone who's unwilling. Yes. Yes. Like... If someone's like, please lift me up so I can, you know. Or you're holding a party member in place. Yeah. Using bind, something like that. Yeah. That then becomes something where, hmm. Yeah. You're not doing damage to them. You're like, that's kind of where I'm at with it is. Yeah. Now that I think of it, okay. The one question I kind of have, or the last question I kind of have around this, because apparently it took us like a half hour, 40 minutes of recording <laughs> to get around to dark side points. Wow, that was a good planning, Ben. <laughs> Talking about A New Hope, Obi-Wan, there's one that I'm not entirely certain they should get conflict for, but I was wanting to toss this one to you as well. Just because, as I say, I'm not sure. It could just be a look at a conflict. The cat. the When he's at the tractor beam fall of doom, and he's needing to get onto the... Like cross that bridge, get over to where the tractor beam thing is so they can hide behind the console, he distracts him with a weird noise that he projects. And the two stormtroopers are deceived and they go running off. He does, he creates the noise outside of their head, not inside of their head, right? I wasn't quite sure. I always assumed it was he used like force move to create, like to actually create the noise. Oh. That's what I always gathered from the scene. I've never actually listened to it with headphones, so like I've never I've never heard anything is really what I'm saying. Oh. I, I guess I always assumed there was a noise. I have I have slight hearing problems, so I always kind of assume that if someone is acting like there's a noise, there's probably a noise. So I always assumed there was a noise there. If there's not a noise there and he is doing it in their heads, I would say that gains a conflict. A conflict. One singular one. Because he's still Okay. He's still using the force to mess with their heads. But it would just be one conflict. It wouldn't be more than one conflict. Okay. It'd be the same with, like, if you're lying to someone and you're deceiving them to do something, I'd still be like, that's that's one conflict. Absolutely agree on that. Even if it's, I am lying to this group of stormtroopers to get these people through, I'd yeah. still toss out one conflict. Yeah, just, like, one. Which is, again... As you said, 90% chance of that being, like, nullified at the end of the session. So, it's just... Oh, I have two conflict. Oh, no, that has reduced my chances down to 80%. Yeah. I, which I play sometimes XCOM, I mean. happens, you know? I have rolled that zero and gone, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the next session rolled a six or an eight. Exactly. I mean, on average... Okay, if we're yeah. assuming zero is zero... Yeah. On average, the die rolls 4.5 over a yeah. long enough period. 
As long as you keep your conflict below that, you're yeah. increasing. Exactly. So you heard it from us. Keep your conflict below 4.5 every session. <laughs> and hope the law of averages eventually works out to you. Exactly. Because the flip side to all of this stuff is, okay, we're sort of nitpicking A New Hope Obi-Wan because, well, he's fun. The <laughs> other side to it is the fall of Anakin is done so perfectly on account of doing these horrible things for very relatable reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, except for when Anakin goes off on murder sprees. Like, yeah, you know, kids got to stop that. Like, I'm talking <laughs> this, I'm talking the Tusken Raiders and the younglings. Like, those are yeah. sort of my two. <sighs> Otherwise, yeah, I kind of get, okay, yeah, most of the other stuff I kind of get, but yeah, those two, yeah. Yeah. I feel like most of the time for me with Obi-Wan, when I'm watching A New Hope and anytime he does something with the Force that he could have done without the Force, then I feel like that's when he's generating conflict. So if he is just using influence on them to hear a noise somewhere else, as opposed to creating a noise somewhere else, mm -hmm. that would gain conflict. Because he totally could have just created the noise somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Telling them, you know, these are not the droids you're looking for, as opposed to just trying to lie to them or something, right? It's using the force as a shortcut. And that that's something that you should be impressing upon your players is something that is going to create conflict. The assumption that we are using is that generating conflict isn't bad. It's more interesting. It's more fun. Yeah. yeah. It's... Going to the idea that being good shouldn't be easy. It shouldn't just be, a, I may have these tenets, but the world is pushing me against these tenets. That to hold to these is what's important on account of this is how I shall act. Yeah. Thus, as a GM, you now have the biggest key and biggest stick in which to push on these players. I will help the downtrodden. Okay, well, now start trying as a GM. We start crushing in on the downtrodden, make things worse for them. Why? Because then it creates conflict that the players have to fight against. To ignore it creates conflict. To fight it creates conflict. And thus, they're part of the conflict economy. <laughs> yeah. My final thought, if you're okay with us getting to final thoughts. Definitely. Lisa. My final thought regarding conflict and the morality system is if you're wanting to use it, actually use it. If you're wanting to use the obligation system, use it and don't just have it sitting beside and at the end of the session or at the beginning of the session, you roll and hey, and it changes nothing. If you have these strengths and weaknesses in front of you, these are things that your players are putting up in big neon lights. This is what we are. This is our strength. This is our weakness. Play on the weakness to see if they can match their strength. Can they overcome it? Will they fall to their weakness? That's the meta question. That's how things become interesting. Everything else is window dressing and the ability to tell good stories. <laughs> I swear that's the entire reason why I like Chronicles of the Gatekeepers. I, I, as a GM, understand how I can get the hooks into the players over small conflicts in that campaign. That's the reason why I'm looking forward to it. So, Lisa, what is your final thought for GMs and players regarding conflict? 
when you are doing a campaign where you guys are using conflict as the GM, you need to plan for your sessions at least two or three parts of the session where you want to bring conflict into it because you can't just expect your players to make those kinds of decisions on their own. You have to present them with decisions and it doesn't have to be kick the puppy or pet the puppy. It needs to be something where one option is generating conflict and the other option is generating more conflict. That way it's an actually interesting conundrum for your players. And I think that's the most important part of using conflict is to actually make use of it and to plan using it in your sessions. Because once you do that, once you plan that for your session and you have points where you want to hit, it actually, it helps a lot with the flow of your session. Aren't you glad I finally got around to getting this giant freighter? I mean, the Nibre is big enough to fit everyone they said they had to take. Sure, it's a little packed and people aren't, like, hot bunking. And we only have enough air for about two more jumps, but we're all in here. Yeah, glad is a word for it. They didn't tell us that they'd be bringing friends along, especially not this many. Uh, This is definitely going to cost them extra. Join us next time for another action-packed tale from the Hydean Way. We can be found on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and you can find me at Cookie Kit. And I'm at Deuterium Ice. We are all at theheidianway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about in the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Drop us a holocom at tales at theheidianway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash theheideanway. Or you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash theheideanway.